Caution is the eldest child to wisdom. Victor Hugo. Bending Not Breaking, Season 3, Episode 1, The Awakening. We made it. We're doing it, and we're doing it now. We took a little break. Not a big break. I mean, a little one. A little. Something big has happened. A lot big has Um, happened. Y'all. Y'all have happened. Yeah. That's what's happened. (laughs) Y'all are so great. Netflix came out with Avatar, and then boom, we've got listeners. It's like, if you uh, build it, they will come. Yeah, which has been incredible to actually just experience. So, all the love on our Instagram and, and, and Twitter bnb underscore pod love on our patreon yeah. that we have now also bnb underscore pod but just search bending not breaking and it's there um and it, there's tiers there's levels there's we actually can, have things you can there, get there's now. things you get now for for donating on patreon and and then you know we can finally stop paying max with dinner yeah or drinks we can actually give him money you have never once given me dinner I didn't. That is so not true. There was a time we had bun. Oh, you bought that dinner. Yeah. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you dinner at some point. I prefer giving him drinks. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We are back. Season three, which I think most people, a lot happens in season three. So much happens. But more people remember season one and like the early parts of season two. I think a lot of fans are going back and being like, I forgot. How good how season, good season three, three is. is. It's and all so the stuff good. that happens. There is an episode that I've watched as, as I've been going through, and I go, that might be my least favorite episode of Avatar. Really? Mm-hmm. But Can't overall, wait to hear what that one overall, is. I mean, the whole show is amazing. So, like, what's the least good episode of episodes that are all pretty, really good? Primarily, so, pretty commonly understood that The Great Divide is one of the least I, appreciated I episodes. I, it's, it might be down there. I think there's a lot. We I think we had good conversation. I think it provided there. a lot of great conversation. Um, but yeah, I understand why people don't love that episode. But I think the episode that I'm referring to, I dislike more. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear which one well, that is. It's not for later. It's it's not this episode. Yeah. Even though I, you probably could argue this episode. Not a lot happens, but like a lot happens. I mean, it's like the Great Awakening. It's it's exposition, right? It's given us everything. It's exactly what that, it is. That is uh, the setup this season. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, we're doing episode one of season three, The, the Awakening. Awakening, through a lens of caution. Yeah, be cautious, Max. Or do you? What is caution? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it just a thing, and you can't actually put whether it's negative or positive on it? I don't know. I don't know either. But, you know, I just want to have a minute to just appreciate Max and for everything that he does for this podcast. We would not be here without him, and it's really great, especially all of season two was just much better quality because of him. Oh, our sound quality season two, uh, because let's let's be real, season one, a little rough. We got better. A little rough. And then Max comes in, and boom, we at least sound like much better than we did season one, and it's all because of him. Other, and other fun fact, since it is now on Netflix, Max Gongaware, who has a Netflix subscription, has 
still never seen an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Isn't Matt, that can correct? you confirm? At this time, I have never seen an, uh, what is this, what is the show called? Uh, an episode of Avatars. Yes. Have you watched uh, Avatar, like the James Cameron movie with blue people? Nope. Never? Not even once. Huh. What They're about, not connected what about at the all. last Airbender movie? No, that, Fern movie, Gully, that doesn't exist. Fern what Gully movie? was That tight. doesn't exist. I forgot. Sorry, what? Fern Gully was cool. I Fern like Gully's, Fern Gully. I heard that's, ba- that's basically Avatar, right? That's Avatar the, the Blue James People. The James Cameron one. Yeah. That, they're coming out with a sequel for that as well. How about that, right? Good timing. We're learning things. Okay. Ben, will you do me a favor? That's that's my game. Can we do a 30-second recap and I send it your way? Oh, man. I honestly don't remember what happens in this episode. I watched this so long ago, like yesterday. Well, good. Then you should be phenomenal at recapping. You've got 30 seconds. Okay, 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 okay. And away we Go. Aang wakes up on a Fire Nation ship, and he is like, OMG, how do I get out of here? This is scary. And so he tries to escape, and then he realizes two people in Fire Nation outfits chase him down. He gets out onto the ship deck and then sees all of his friends and realizes that, left. you know, he's okay. And then all of a sudden they really keep going, and they find out that they just get away. Everybody's safe. They try and keep out. But Aang was supposed to be dead, and now Five he's seconds. not dead. And then don't forget about, you know, all Three, the things that happen in the Fire two, Nation with Zuko. He gets one. back. Everything's fine. Stop. He, he gets back, and everything's fine? Yeah. Everything is far from fine. Well, I think you should have done the recap if you wanted to hear something besides that that's fair but Zu- like even zuko understands that everything is far from fine well i think that's what's so cool about it and that's what makes it fine is that he knows what's going on and his self-awareness makes it a little bit better we it's it's nice to see his awareness of of himself in the situation more than he it seems like he's ever been um yeah that starts to grow. It definitely shows up further along in the season, but something's wrong. He's missing something, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. For sure. For sure. All right. But we're talking about caution. Caution. What's caution? I'm going to ask you that. Okay, great. I would say it's it's you're taking care to avoid danger, mistakes. You're, it's a safety mechanism, right? Yeah. And sometimes caution is absolutely necessary. Yeah. And then sometimes you got to throw it to the wind. Right? You got to throw it to the airbender. Let him bend it a little bit. Sure, 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 um, sure. But I think that was one of my struggles with this is I think I spent majority of the episode trying to navigate is caution a good thing? And I think that was a mistake. I think. Tell me more about that. I think, kind of what I mentioned earlier, caution is having it is necessary at times. And sometimes you have to drop it by the wayside. And. It's not inherently good or bad. It can be very useful, and it can also be an obstacle. And so, yeah, I feel that way about just our emotions in general, right? I think that one of the things I've learned in my reading is that uh, we inherently put judgment on the emotions we feel, and it's done by the way we ask questions, right? How like, how are you feeling today? Good, bad. And that's what you start to associate that emotion with a, a judgment, right? It's good or bad. If you were happy, you had a good day. If you were sad, you had a bad day. When really those emotions are signals from your body giving you information. That's and that's it. exactly what caution is. Yeah. It's signals giving your body or giving whatever it is information. So let's talk, let's talk about moments of caution in this episode. 
when was a moment where you're like, someone was cautious, and that's interesting? You know, I actually noticed a lot of lack of caution. Okay, tell me more. Yeah, so like right from the very beginning, Aang is on a Fire Nation ship, and he thinks he's been captured. He's scared, and he doesn't take a moment to do a self-assessment and realize that he's injured and he's not going to be able to defend himself, right? We see that he's not okay, and he just proceeds as though he weren't injured. Like, he, his lack of caution seems almost futile. Um, how do you feel about that? I actually took that as being very cautious for Interesting. Him. Tell um, me more. I think he recognized that he was in what would have typically been for him a very unsafe situation and was trying to do whatever he could to get out of it. And so I think that, that I viewed that as a very cautious moment for him. Now he wasn't like, he was kind of eking around like hallways and corridors, but like at a certain point he's just, he's booking it because he's trying to, in his mind, take his hand off the burner as quickly as he could. He's touched, he's touched the hot stove. He understands that he's in the fire and he's trying to get out of it as quickly as he possibly can to avoid the danger that comes with that in his head. So I saw that as being very cautious um, from him. Now he is unaware of his surroundings he is unaware of his his own personal uh, abilities and capabilities, um, and it's something that when he's got to recognize all of these things that have happened and kind of get brought back to him. Yeah. So it was nice for him to realize that he had safety, but it took him a little while to get there because they weren't around when he woke up. Well, I, I think that's what makes it interesting, and maybe why I was looking at it the other way is that. I think I was looking at it from a perspective of he probably would have been had a very different experience if he had been able to think about his situation in a logical manner, meaning he was certainly captured on a Fire Nation ship. And so that tells him something. But if you look at the fact that he wasn't tied down, he was in a bed, he had all these like there were there were no guards outside of his room. Like there were there were there were signs that you can analyze and pay attention to where if you had proceeded with a hint of caution and a potentially a little bit of critical thinking, maybe his reaction to that situation might be different. Can we unpack that for a second? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm going to make a little bit of a stretch, but it's something that I think is pretty prevalent. It's something that's been on my mind. So I'm reading a book called White Fragility. It's so good. It is. It's and a great it, and book. It's, and it's pretty poignant and uh, something that is pretty, I don't know if helpful is the right word, but it's a, uh, it's a resource right now. Um, at the time of this recording, even though this episode will come out in a couple weeks, it's, it's one that's... Especially poignant. Especially poignant. And... There's a moment of, in that book, where the author, uh, Robin D'Angelo, thank you, speaks about perspective and understanding racism. Absolutely. And I think that she refers to an, uh, uh, an analogy of a bird in a cage. Yep. And whether or not the bird realizes it's caged based off of how close it is to the bars. Yeah. And then you're another person's perspective of whether or not the bird is trapped by being outside of the cage, period. Yep. And so I wonder if, similar to caution, the perspective that Aang has, we as the viewers get to view this outside of the cage. Absolutely. And so we have a perspective of he's not being very cautious here. His perspective is him being face up against the bars and trying, or like seeing a bar, not realizing where he's at and trying to navigate, not realizing he is outside of the cage. Yeah. But he's so close to the cage that he's thinking he's inside of it. Yep. And so I think that that's 
kind of what spoke to me in this moment. And I think that's a really good uh, way to to pit up like how we saw that differently because I think both situate both of those things are true. Yes. Right. And uh, I think that's what makes this so real and so kind of scary in a way is that if I were to proceed and judge Aang based off of my assessment, then I might perceive Aang to be a different, have a different character, have different uh, moral standing, have different like, Oh, he's not logical. Oh, X, Y, and Z. But, but he thinks he's in the cage, right? But now. he thinks he's in the cage. Yeah. And he's not, and we're seeing him outside of the cage, but we're not matching the perspectives and we don't have the ability to sit down with Aang and be like, you're not in the cage. Yeah. Um, which is what Katara and Toph end up doing. Yeah, if, like when he gets he runs to the point where, where he, he realizes gets to see he's that. not there. Um, and so for the times, I know that was probably a little bit of a stretch. I, I think that that's, was spot but on. But that's also kind of where we're at right now when we're experiencing things. Um, our perspective is is giving us different experiences of what is currently going on, and until we're able to speak with each other, because people are hard to hate up close, or people are hard hard to hate right close up uh, close yeah. up we've got to be able to have conversations around that perspective and understand where each of the perspectives are coming from yeah. and how do they match together. Absolutely. And so I think if Aang, Aang gets that with Katara and Toph and uh, Katara's father, who I wrote his name down wrong. Hakoda. Bakoda with a B. H. With an H. Hakoda. See? Things that I should have done more research on. I heard it once and I was like, yeah, that's his name. Yeah. I was, I was quickly typing notes. Um, and so I thought that, that was a, that's a moment. And it's interesting that we saw that differently. But I think that's also a well, I think very that's so, important message. Well, I think that's really important. And like I upon hearing that, I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. And I think that's uh, very worth hearing. And I think that's something that I hope our listeners can hear the value in what it means to hear something and be like, oh, you changed my mind. That's a really cool thing. Well, it's also so there's also moments that I experience where people are being cautious for other people. Tell me more. Katara helping Aang heal. Okay. I think it was a moment where I saw that. Yeah, I saw like that she, too. He's not necessarily understanding the gravity of his situation and doesn't necessarily see the need to heal. I think he feels it. I think he knows it, but he's also like, I've got to defeat the fire. Well, Lord. it's, I, I think that's, I think that's what it is. It's not that he doesn't see that he needs to heal. I don't think he like is like, I'm not hurt. I think he is putting priority on what he thinks is more important. Right. Yeah. And Katara is trying to change that perspective and say, Hey, what's most important right now is your health. And how often is that true for all of us? We see themes of that throughout this entire season that 100%, come up. 100%. Absolutely. Um, of, Hey, and you've got to take care of yourself for yeah. this to be a positive experience. Yeah. Um, and so that's a moment where you, sometimes you got to rely on other people to be cautious for you. Well, and how do we, how do we begin to listen? How do we hear that, and oh. not not just like hear it, but how do we hear it and how like do we actually listen? listen to it and um, give it the attention that it deserves? And how do you like how do you filter that out between what's like when you are in the cage, right? When you are in the cage, how do you, or when you believe you're in the cage, how do you hear someone who's trying to tell you that you're not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, or the it's opposite. so important. The opposite or, the same, right? Yeah, your exactly. Your face is so close in between the bars that you think you're outside of the cage. And someone's trying to let you know that you're in the cage and we need to work on some stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it's just so important to be humble enough to hear 
the people around and you. And we keep saying hear and listen, and I think we need to dive in a little bit into what that actually means. And there's a, cause there's a, to me, there's a difference between yeah. hearing and listening. Hearing is I, I hear it. It's off in the background. I heard that noise. Listening is intently paying attention to what is being said and taking it in without that moment of I'm prepping what I'm going to say as you're talking so that I can then regurgitate what I want to say to you without actually listening to what you're saying. And I think that that's important to take, they hear what someone's saying, take a breath, take time, then formulate your response as opposed to formulating that as, as someone else is talking. You know, the, the moment with Hakoda and Katara is, I, I think Hakoda models that so well. I, I think he does. There are moments where I, even at the kind of the banger, you're kind of like, what? Why is she up so upset? Why is with she him? so mad? Yeah. And when the answer comes out, well, you, well not only is it. she mad, but she's mad and unaware. I'm fine. Like, what do you right. mean? Why do you think I'm mad at him? Like, right when Aang asks, like, is something wrong? Mm-hmm. She's like, no. What do you mean? <laughs> um, and, and we, I, we see again, we see this from Katara throughout this entire season. Of there's so much built up on. Uh, it's it's so deep. It's unresolved. It's unresolved right? that you see these outbursts take place throughout the course of this season. Yeah, but this is the start of it. Mm-hmm. And some people, some people dislike Katara's character arc in this season because of this. Oh, it's so human. It's and, so and real. And that's what I want. That's what I want people to take away from that is that it's such a real response yeah that and it's uncomfortable and we talked about this when it comes to all the messy middle that comes in season two yeah the the episodes people skip yeah and because it's uncomfortable and it makes us feel not happy like we normally do when we watch and so katara's not doing normal katara things she's not as super caring as we she normally is and yeah she's not being the 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 master we want her to be and and so we're really uncomfortable with it although bending wise her water bending has stepped up well i you know yep yes um but that's not all that being a master is but we've got to understand that this is a real this is a character that's been written in a very humane way yeah um and that these are things that we do all the time and we don't know about it and so it is uncomfortable she isn't doing the things we want her to do from the outside, but it is such a well-written character throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything pop up for you in the, the fire nations tracking down our ship and then like they come on the ship and you know, the other than Hakoda and who was it? It was just another, uh, it was from first season. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forget his name. Bato. Bato, there it is. Yep. So they are um <laughs> nice. Got it. <laughs> uh, but like I, I think what I found as interesting in that moment was the caution around the Fire Nation. And as they were retreating, they were like, yeah, something doesn't seem right. We like they, they The Fire Nation been... soldiers being cautious about yes, this. They, yeah. they should have known that this dude was on leave. This guy was on leave. This and then was gone. And then they were really cautious. They were like, Okay, we need to retreat to our ship before we start taking them down and then luckily we have Toph who is hearing master and i love that moment yeah i love ah god i love Toph. yeah love Toph. i love that she heard it when she's like they made us get them yeah all about it yeah well it's so i found that to be a really interesting uh use of caution right um 
yeah i did you notice something that i didn't what'd you notice no i think i, I kind of came out the same with that um yeah you, they they took caution they hit appa that was very cautious of them um they tried to stay quiet they played it well i think that for the most part i think they would have gotten away they with gotten it away if with they didn't it. have super hearing could the toff on the on the scene right no, I think, like, well, yes, the Fire Nation would have found yeah. them out. I think that had those Fire Nation guys not remembered that yeah, they, Captain was on leave, they played it cool, they would have been they would have gotten away with it, yeah. yeah. Because they relied on something that we, I think we all can rely on, which is a, a lapse in organizational communication. Yeah. Which totally happens. Yep. Right? Commander should have told me. Yeah, he should have. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> that were, um, no, I think for me in this episode... Uh, another big moment of caution for me several. is Azula trying to cover her dude, own rear dude, I by read that, yeah. giving Zuko the props for killing the Avatar. Bruh, that's such a big deal. Which is such a move. One, both of you and I have been watching uh, extended se- uh, old seasons of Survivor, and so oh, I think we're very attuned to, like, that's a gameplay move. What yeah. a move right there. <laughs> uh, Survivor's still worth watching, y'all. It's, 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 First it's, several seasons are slow. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, loving the gameplay. Having watched them, it makes it so much better to watch the later seasons. Sponsor us, uh, CBS um, and Nickelodeon, sure. Uh, <laughs> two competing organizations. But the move for Azula to say, did I, no, I just wanted to give you props, Zuko, Zuzu, or did I want to make sure that if he's not actually dead, that I don't be, I'm not blamed for it. Well, it's and a win-win him for being her. dead doesn't actually, I was there when you did it, and me being there is probably the reason you did it, so. Well, and it's a win-win I'm for fine. her, because yeah. even if, uh, it's just, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant because she has the taking down bossing say she has all of the other things that she has able to accomplish bringing Zuko home. And now Zuko has this one thing that made him like redeem quote redeem his honor and man. And, but it's still it's for caution, right? Yeah. It's a backup safety measure for her. And I think that's where you see that sometimes these things can be. Is it a bad thing to be cautious for yourself at the expense of other people? I think that that manipulation that Azula pulled is absolutely the wrong thing. Yes. But here's the kicker. Sometimes for you to do what you can be, you've got to be cautious for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself so you can help other people. Sure. So you've got to be cautious for yourself sometimes. And that might be able to be looked at as selfish, <clears throat> but sometimes you got to do it. I think in difference... this way, it is meant for malicious purposes. Well, I think the difference is... It's not for Zuko's I benefit. Think it's... I think it's okay to set boundaries and say this this act that I am doing is a boundary, right? And I'm going to be cautious and because like this boundary is for me and even though it affects you negatively, that's this is something for me that I have set. Correct. Versus what Azula has done, which is lying in order to just in case something goes wrong save her own skin yeah because it's not it's not at a benefit for for zuko at all and it's and really it not ha- at a benefit for her with the exception exactly of... like she like how much gain did she get by giving doing that by giving this to zuko yeah. like i don't know that she did like right and so i just no i'm not in favor of it from the survivor gameplay side of things yeah, but this isn't boss a game. move, correct? Right? This the, is real life. <laughs> this is like real fiction. Yes, if Boston Rob had done this on Survivor, 
So good. Such a good move. Great move. Um, but so I did. I don't want to gloss over this, and since we just brought it up, I want to talk about Zuko and his conversation with Ozai. And so Ozai is so proud of Zuko for all the things he didn't do. Uh, or or didn't want to do. So how sad would you be if your father was proud of you for things that you weren't proud of? My heart breaks. Right? Like, that's... It's tragic. And, like, I just put myself in Zuko's shoes in that moment, and I was like, I feel hollow. I feel empty, and I feel so unseen. And I, I would just be so devastated and then i would feel even more tragic because in that moment i know that i would think of iroh he does right Right? we know he does because we see advances from him to go yeah later to go to see iroh later on the season i don't know how proud ozai really is i agree but like hearing that message is like i'm pleasantly surprised that you're not a screw-up but so the way, like, but the way he worded it, right? He said, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you for this. I'm proud of you for and, this. And, and most of all, I'm proud that you redeemed yourself. And that's the kicker, right? So this is what Zuko's been searching for his entire exactly. first two seasons. And it doesn't feel as good, I'm going to say, as when Iroh gives him a compliment. Or when Iroh, I, right? I would absolutely so agree. Because he, he doesn't feel that way. He just, it doesn't feel as good as those moments where Iroh says, I'm proud of you for doing this. And Iroh does that a couple times in the second season. And you can see Zuko get like the little like the smile on his face. He's happy. He's like he yeah. finally becomes happy to be at the tea shop. And so I think that that's a moment where he realizes because Iroh already said it. Iroh already put that into his head of you're not searching for what you think you're searching for. And I think that this is a moment where Zuko kind of realizes that and goes, "This doesn't feel as good." But he still blames himself because. It's his fault he didn't kill the Avatar. It's his fault he didn't bring it back. So I think he's still blaming himself for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame spiral, and we're going to see him go through several of them this season. Oh, it's just And every so single much. one is tear-inducing. It is so sad. And at this point, he's got to be cautious for the way that he proceeds when around his father. But you can see the moment where he's sees the crowd cheering for him and, and realizes the royal treatment that he's getting. And, and it's, tough. and he's realizing that frankly, it's not all worth it. Right. That's, I mean, I'm right? jumping, I'm jumping ahead, but that's what he's realizing. He, and he's not there yet, but he'll get there. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's tough. All right. Let's go back to the gang. Yeah. So uh, we can't not talk about Aang, right? We talked about the beginning, but like his whole, he gets his flashbacks. Yes. He sees everything. He understands what's going on. He, he understands what happened. He understands that he got brought back to life essentially. And we yeah. don't know how that plays with the avatar state because we don't see it. That's my question. Like a legit, just to like uh, a canon, a like, tell me, help me understand. Cause I've seen a lot of this on Facebook. I've seen a lot of this on Reddit and there's not really a satisfactory answer, but Aang, like, even in the show, his line is, I, w- I, I, I was gone. He said, like, there, was, there is super connotative evidence to suggest that he, his heart stopped and was brought back. And I equate it to where, like, and this is my headcanon, right? And so my headcanon is that, yes, his heart stopped. 
yes, he, quote, died for however long he was gone, which is, what, a couple minutes, but then he was able to come back. And so I equate that to, like, a defibrillator where, yes, your heart stopped, but then you're able to get your heart restarted. There's a, there is a point at which that is no longer possible, and I think it's just within the window, right? What are your, like, what are your thoughts on this? So, I'm going to go to a different fandom for a second. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to go to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Interesting. When Buffy dies as the Slayer the first time. Sorry if I just spoiled Spoiler that. alert. She dies like three times in, in that series. Spoiler alert. Came out in 1997. The, so, spoiler. The, when she dies the first time, because Buffy is, the Slayer is very similar to the Avatar. When one Slayer dies, the next Slayer in line is born or becomes chosen uh-huh typically they're already born they're normally 16 15 16 and and they're told like you are the next slayer and there's powers that come with that so the first time she dies she gets brought back to life she stays the slayer but since she died a new a slayer. new slayer arises there was a part of me that said he should never be able to get back to the avatar state because he died it was said while that in, the in the avatar state, state and right? so the avatar state should have just dissipated then but i guess he was close enough to being brought back to life that the avatar state stuck with him but he has to unlock it later he's got to figure out how to do that so cuz i think they i think they recognize that he closed a chakra that he can no longer open he's got to get back to it or figure it that out yeah i i like my theory better sure i just like buffy and it made me think of Buffy. Yeah. And I'll be happy well, to do a season well, of Buffy and this is answered, after we like, do this in Legend of Korra. And the reason I ask is because it's it's even more brought up as a question because of what happens in Legend of Korra, right? And so I, I, I don't want to skip ahead yet, but like that whole like yes. the conversation will come up again inevitably when we get to Korra. When? Yes. Anyway, um, speaking of Aang. He throws I, a little caution to the wind. He, uh-huh. so ang upon like first of all i think we have to talk about this whole arc here like he's asked to cover up his arrow Mm -hmm. in order to go outside and get food because they dock they want to go get food on land on shore and ang is saying no i will not cover my arrow and tell what are your thoughts on that moment because i i have i have thoughts it's his identity or it's it's something that he identifies with as a as a defining mark of he views that in himself as in a his identity and you're forcing him to cover up his authentic self when you do that sure and so i think that he's saying absolutely absolutely not so i'm I'm going to be my authentic self i hear that perspective yeah help me understand i'm i'm relating this in a way to wearing a mask yeah sometimes COVID. you have to do it as a safety measure that's what i'm saying yes. right and so like we wish you we the, wish the people, people didn't. the people who are saying i won't go out unless i can wear this proudly right are in versus i won't go out and not i won't wear a mask because it's like and, and so just help me grapple I with think that part of that's privilege yeah i every ever since him coming out of the iceberg there's really nothing that he hasn't been able to to physically remove himself from or overcome as the avatar. But he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have that ability to rely on the avatar state. He's still got his skills, but he's at 50% at best. 
And so he can't fight his way or fly his way or maneuver his way out of any situation anymore. But he's never had to really experience that until this point. Yeah. Well, and, and so I think, I think it takes a refusal him to do that. And I think it takes him leaving, trying to do it and failing in order to realize it. Correct. Right? And then that's when. But here's the problem. The real world version of that is you go out, you don't wear a mask and you get COVID. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm struggling because I want to figure out how to have this conversation with friends, family, et cetera, around when, when you get sick, like I will be there for you and I will want to help you. But like, this is something that you could have prevented potentially mm-hmm. when it's not really for you either. Like wearing a mask isn't really yeah, for you. It's, it's for it's, other it, yes, people, right? It's the benefit of other people. It just, um, it just really struck a chord with me. Like, and I, I don't know if it's a perfect correlation. I don't think it is or a, whatever the word is, but I'm, well, cause I'm still thinking about it as an allegorical mask. Yeah. Of, people hiding who they really are. And that's so true people too, who are in right? LG, in LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, and spaces where they can't well, be their authentic selves. But I, I think there's, when safety is truly on the line in those places, having to hide who you are is a measure that you have to take. Yeah. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking. And so I think Aang is in a point where he's not the guy who gets to, overcome any challenge that comes his way he can't do that anymore and he hasn't realized that yet and i think that that's hard i think that's hard terms to grasp and i think it's very real terms for a lot of people yeah like and not all people have an avatar roku that's going to come and confront you when you're out in the middle of the ocean and in princess ua yeah well and that's i think it's interesting because the, the spirit world is on ang's side and one could argue that the spirit world is on our side Right. And it's just all in how we choose to see it and how we perceive it. And like when Avatar Roku shows up after Aang conveniently learns to windsurf, I think it's invents windsurfing. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But I I think the line that really struck me was Yue's line, which was Aang, you've already saved the world. Right, and it was it was something along. Because he views it as this, it's the most recent failure. Like he was so sad, and he thinks he's failed. And no, Aang, you've already saved the world. You just have to like, and and I think that moment is what gives him hope. That you've done it once, you've done this before. You can do it again, right? And then once he like is on, I think what it looks like Avatar Roku Island, um, he is saved by the gang. And I think what's fascinating there that I think is overlooked in is that they all hug. Toph is in that hug. Momo, Appa, Sokka. There is no joke. There's no, like, that is it's a... It's just being there. That is a moment of present. love. Yep. Right? And that was beautiful. Because that's the line I really love that comes out of that, is I have so much to do. I know. And you'll have our help. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we are... I think there's a lot of times we're cautious because we're alone or we are perceived that we're alone. And if we find the right support system, if we find the people that are there for us, if we find our inch sheet with the names of people that we have that are, that we know love us and care about us, then it allows us to drop a little bit of the caution so that we can move forward. Yeah. And we're not in this alone. 
And I think that that is such a powerful message that comes at the end of this episode. Um, similar to one of my favorite Sondheim musicals. Oh? Yeah, Into the Woods. Into the Woods, Into the Woods. But you're not alone, right? You're not alone. You don't you have to navigate. You, you not have to navigate this by yourself. And I think so often we feel like we do, and that requires us to be more cautious and requires us to put up more barriers. And in this moment, we realize that when people are there to support us, and we're not actually alone, that we can move forward. It helps us build resilience. But if Katara hadn't said that you're not alone and shown that the message wouldn't have been received. Yeah. So we have to let people know that we're there for them. And I think that that's a really important takeaway from this here, here anything else major in this episode. I just think it's worth noting that the turtle ducks are very cautious around Azula. Yeah. Cause she teaches them how to like, she teaches Zuko how to throw rocks at, rocks them. at them, but they weren't around Zuko. Maybe Zuko made up for it by feeding them. Moral of the story is... Yeah, Azula doesn't like animals. Yeah. Except yeah. for those little lizards that she wrote. I don't, and I'm not even convinced that she liked that lizard. Yeah, same. All right, well... I think it's time for our, our next segment, probably, right? We're going to do a nice little little thingy. Think a little thingy. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back, and then yeah. we'll follow up with our uh, a little segment, and then a little devotion, and then that'll be our episode. And we'll be done with... Season 3, Episode 1. And we have a special announcement for Episode 2. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Woohoo! Woohoo! Big things! All right, we will be right back. Alright everyone, welcome back. We are so excited. We have a new segment for you. Actually, we have two, but we're starting with this one. Uh, this is kind of just our, our practice, and so we want to not only have a discussion about the lens, but we also want to uh, institute some practice and action around how we can grow from Avatar as well. And so this is a new uh, action. When things we've done in the past, we started in like middle of season two. Um, we did some Florilegia, we did some Lectio Divina, but this time we're going to practice with a new segment called the Wonder Square. I love squares. Squares. They're so cool. But if you can imagine, there's a, a, a four by four, or a, a, oh God, a two by two square. So um, what you see is there's uh, four squares within one square, right? Got it. Like and a two by two Rubik's Cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in each one, there's a different thing. And one says think, one says feel. One says do, and one says wonder. And so what this does is you get to pick a line of the show. You can pick an image so you can watch the show and like create a still. And so pause it and you see that image. You can do it with uh, one of the music, one of the um, scores from the show. You can do it with really pretty much anything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pick a line, and it's a line from this episode that came from Aang. Uh, I picked it randomly by scrolling through the transcript and then stopping it in the middle of it. And this is what I landed on. Are you ready? Ready! Aang whispering says, I hate not being able to do anything. Mm. Yes. Know this line well. Yeah. And so we can start anywhere in the square we want, but we want to make sure we hit all four things. Think, feel, do, and wonder. 
Yes. Okay. Let's start with think. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So, what does this line make us think about? I think about the times that I have experienced that feeling. Um, I think about uh, working in a large organization and being one person with one voice trying to make change and thinking that I, I hate not being able to do anything because things are happening on such a slow level at an organizational level compared to like, why don't we just change it? And so that, that's what comes up for me. Which is so tough. And I think we talked about this before of, of how, uh, how paralyzing the feeling of not being able to do anything, the feeling of being helpless can be. Yeah. And how you can find yourself in this place of, I'm, I, I can't make a difference. I can't do anything. And so now I don't do anything. So you brought up that feeling of helplessness, right? Yeah. So like, tell me about like, how does that feel in your body? Like, what does that um, manifest as? Cause since we're going into feeling a little bit, uh, sad, sadness, I think it makes me feel fear of what if I can't actually change things. Yeah. I think it makes me feel less than of I should be able to change things and why can't I? Yeah, and that should language comes up. Like I, it's yes. and, and should language is very uh, telling for me because should is often associated with shame. Like the story we tell ourselves is if I should be able to, I should have done, that's often very closely tied to feelings of shame. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what it makes me think about is how many times I had the ability to do something and I didn't. Oh, and then versus the moments I want to do something and I can't. Yeah. And so did I lose opportunities when I maybe needed to act and didn't? Yeah. And so, that's how that's where my mind initially went when it came to thinking gotcha and then the feeling of hopelessness yeah. and it's interesting how like thinking and feeling are often tied and being able to separate those and identify the differences i think helpful in terms of our awareness building right yeah so then we still have two left so do and wonder so what are what are you feeling uh after hearing this line what are you feeling called to do taking advantage of the opportunities when i can act so to act. I, I think about like uh, no regrets, um, no regrets, <laughs> no regrets. Uh, but like I, I love how Brene Brown frames this. Uh, you might have heard of her, but es essentially she frames it that like regret is what teaches us like going through our lives um, and having regrets is how like it's a red flag when someone doesn't have any regrets. Yes. Right. We talk through these moments of the difference between guilt and shame. I did something bad versus I am bad. Yeah. Guilt is okay. Regrets are okay. Yeah. I needed to handle that situation differently, and I didn't. Yep. I'm learning from that mistake that I regret making so that I don't make it in the future. Absolutely. Does it make us better people? And I think that's where a lot of people, when they say, I don't have any regrets, that's where they're kind of coming from, is all of those things led me to who I am and what I'm doing now. Well, and I think that's a healthy way to look at it. On you. Like, if you look back on your life and you're saying, I, I am proud of who I've grown to be, I don't have any regrets, I think 
that's a very different message than I don't regret anything I've ever done. Well, let's look at Iroh when it comes to regret. Yeah. Um, oh, what a good example. His behavior when the Hundred Year War was going on led to the death of his son. Oh. Oh. If he doesn't regret that, does he ever change his behavior to then lead Zuko and to change his life and join the White Lotus and all of those things? Into the greatest redemption arc in TV history. If he doesn't regret that behavior before. Yeah. Because if yeah. he doesn't, then none of those things happen. So having regrets is something that shapes the... You're right. Everything that happens in my past, I don't regret that those things happen, but I regret my choices yes. that I made them. Yes. And yes. know that I should learn from that and do it differently beforehand. Yeah. Or in the future. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of what I, what I would do is that I, I, I feel called to... To, to, to do right <laughs> uh, I don't want to be redundant but like making sure that when we are feeling this way when we're feeling helpless when all we have is that feeling inside of us it's saying what what is one thing that I can do and like shaping that into something that isn't so large right and so sometimes we can't change the world but we can change our own little corner Right. And so I want to absolutely, I want to do what I can to affect change and Your not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Correct. Right. And the last square is wonder. Wonder square. What is the secret of your power? Yeah. So wonder point. Wonder is an interesting word, right? There's a lot of um, feelings around just like, wonder it's very it's almost mystical in a way um a sense of wonder yeah a sense of whimsy but peter pan <laughs> but like when you hear the word wonder and you hear rufio this sentence, dante basco in this sentence which is i hate not being able to do anything what does it make you wonder about is that true are you really, can you really not do anything? What else? What led to that? Why do you feel that way? I wonder how you got to that point. I think that's the first thing that came through my head was, I, I wonder what led you to thinking that. What, I wonder what led you to this point of being at this, uh, at the, in the bottom of this valley where you feel like there's only, only uphill and it's, there's, there's not much you can do because it seems out of your control. It's that, that kind of, um, that wonder, I mean, it's, it's, I think JK Rowling is the one who said that, um, in a commencement speech that imagination is the core of empathy. If you can imagine yourself into a situation. And I think that's kind of what wonder does. If it gives us the capacity to, to see things that we normally wouldn't, if we allow ourselves to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And I think that's important. It highlights that you don't have to go through the exact same experience to understand the feelings and emotions that are coming up. You have to connect with the feelings and emotions. Yep. And that's what leads to that. You have to have the imagination to be able to understand if I was in that situation, how would I be behaving? Yeah. Yeah. Well, y'all, that's the wonder square. Uh, those, those, a lot came out of that. that that's was, a pretty yeah, cool that conversation. Was good, that was a good little conversation. Good quote. Yeah. Now it's time for our little, our little highlight, our little session of gratitude. Yeah. Who are we grateful for this episode? Yeah. And 
Well, this is our, our new, new segment, right? New, new. Right? Because we, we talked about gratitude in season two, and we I think we just glossed over it for one episode, and then we kind of uh, didn't commit to we the We tried bit. to get to the habit. It didn't work out every time. And so I want to commit to the bit this season and really make an effort to You know who's good at have... committing to the bit? Tell me more. Max Gongor. Oh, he's so good at it. Max, what's one thing you're grateful for? Uh, I am grateful for... A loving family and the Pittsburgh Pirates. There you have it, folks. Yeah. Commitment to the Pittsburgh Pirates. One of the things that, fan. that Sunshine and I are going to really commit to is um, being showing gratitude for characters in the episodes that we're watching. Yeah. And, and we're going to be grateful for what they teach us. We're going to be grateful for all kinds of different things. Yeah. So... Uh, since you seem so eager, I want, why, why don't you go first and tell us something or tell us someone rather that you're grateful for in this episode? I gave her a little bit of love already, but I want to give more love to Toph. I love Toph. I want to, I'm so thankful for Toph. Um, she is such pun intended, a rock uh, throughout this family, uh, throughout this group of typically emotions will run high every now and then, but she's very logical she sees everything, but um, but really, she un- she is very aware of almost everything going on. Whether someone's lying, whether um, she just and she feels it, and it's and it's ingrained in her. And I think that she is a protector of this group, and this show and characters would have had a very different outcome had she not been there. And I think we see moments of that here. Yeah, absolutely. They would have died several times throughout their journey. <laughs> had she, The Serpent's Pass wouldn't have been possible without her. Um, and yes, the Serpent's Pass wouldn't have been possible without Katara and without Aang. And, yeah. and so I think you get that. But in this specific moment, I, I, just, I think of her saving the rear of every person on that ship by being able to hear and being able to do something about it. Absolutely. And so I just want to, I'm, I'm grateful for Toph. I love Toph. What too. about you? I'm grateful for Toph. I'm grateful for Katara. And Katara is really just so human in this episode. And I'm grateful that we get to see Katara be completely unaware of her anger with her father. And I'm grateful that that's visible. I'm grateful because like that has been me. And it's been me only to realize what is causing that anger is something that is hidden. It's, it's deep in there, but it's real. And I'm really grateful for Katara for showing me that it's human to be angry, to uh, express your feelings. And like when she figured it out, her ability to cry and just have that conversation with her dad was a really touching moment. So I'm, I'm just, I'm really grateful for that and just that that message absolutely so i i want to call attention to how we hope to lead through the rest of this uh season and um we have kind of committed to being grateful but we're also really intentionally going to be grateful for at least one of us will pick a female character each episode and I want to like call attention to the fact that we are very aware that we are two men uh, on this podcast, and we have yet to have a guest that is female, and we are planning to change that. 
Um, and so just so y'all are aware, we're, we're grateful um, for this opportunity and we want to do it justice by making sure that we are fighting the patriarchy in every way that we can. <laughs> yeah. All about it. So that leads us to our devotion. Yes, we are looking through caution or at caution through the, the element of fire. We're in the book of fire. Episode one. So we're doing we're doing the element fire. That's where we're starting in the, in the avatar cycle. Oof. What are you going to do this week? What's your kind of call to action for yourself this week? With those two things in mind, you know, fire is an interesting thing because if you don't treat it cautiously, then people get burned, right? And you get burned. Yeah, we and saw that. Hang yeah, burned Katara, yeah. um, and we see it again later in the season with so many different uh, situations that are literally people getting burned, and. I am feeling this, um, I'm, I'm feeling the call to be educated and, uh, especially in times that are happening right now, um, all of the racial inequity that is in our country and I I am feeling called to become more educated. And the reason is if I am not educated, I'm going to get burned or I'm going to burn someone else. Yes. And I am feeling called to do the work and become better by learning about the problem. And so uh, reading White Fragility was uh, on my book list. I have several other books that are uh, next, and I'm excited to dive into them because I've already been, um, I've already realized how much more I have to learn. Well, how about you? Yeah, for me, uh, we building a fire, you got to be cautious with it, right? You got to make sure you're not adding too much or, or you got to still be able to let it grow, but you'll you can't. snuff it out if you add too much, right? <laughs> Correct. And so for me, I think it's, I think of Aang and how do we set boundaries to make sure that we're being cautious with ourselves, but in those moments where we don't need to be jumping out and being active and letting that fire burn, let it rage um, and let it rage. Um, knowing when you have to keep it safe, knowing when you have to have those boundaries to keep you safe and, and keep that fire contained, but when you don't let it be there and be active. And I think that's my call for this week here, here. Is, is letting that fire burn. I love it. That's it. Episode that's one episode. in the books. We're done. And we are almost done with this series. Oh no. But we're still going to do legend of Korra after all of this. Yeah, we are. And with a little dragon prince later on too. Yeehaw. You know, it's all coming down the pipeline. Well, so, and, and just so also for people that are listening, I just really want to like, we're going to have some, talk about the patreon but one of the patreon perks is really awesome we're gonna plan on going back through the series with y'all we want you to be involved in live the conversation. zoom meetings with us and y'all to be a part of it donated our patreon to get access to that yeah. link. but we will do that once a month with each episode starting at the very beginning and going through the whole thing with new lenses and i think that's what's great about our practice here is that you can yes, do this we've gone again through the and entire again series. And again. Correct. We, but when you get to do it with new lenses, it's a completely different takeaway each time. Yeah. And so we want you to be a part of that. Um, and so if you go to our Patreon, you can donate and get access to that and be a part of those Zoom conversations. Um, also be a part of our Facebook group where we can have smaller scale versions of those conversations online in that community. Yep. Um, and then there's also the chance for you to get episodes early, a week before everybody else does. Dun, dun, dun. And so that's an opportunity as well. Um, so go check out our Patreon for to have access to all of those things. Um, we would love the support. Absolutely. 
we've got a pretty exciting episode next That's week. That's right. But we're not <laughs> going to tell. But. We're not going to tell you who yet. We're going to keep that on the down low. But this is a very special guest who is more famous than both of us. Either one of us. Yeah. Combined. Um. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh. And so we're excited that that guest will be will be a part of this show so that's that's gonna be fun for us so stay tuned please join us for that um thank y'all so much for listening next week we will be looking through the episode the headband through the lens of ritual ritual that's your only that's your hint to see who are we talking about that's going to join us um but we're gonna be looking at the headband through through the lens of ritual so please come back and and listen and, and join us then i'm sunshine mayfield this has been pruitt Max Gongware is on the dials. Thank y'all so much for listening. Come on back next time. Okay, okay bye-bye. Bye-bye.